All right, we are ready to go. I got mine downstairs. I can go do that in my backpack. Yeah, we can do that when you show with Josh. I'll move you over one. We've got to get some extra copies up here. Go get his Josh and he'll take care of you. All right. Very good. Welcome, you guys, to Hebrew Club. We are in the middle of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, that series of Hoy oracles. And we're going to finish chapter 2 today. And uh, I don't know if we'll get to chapter 3, any of chapter 3 or not, maybe just the introduction. But you will notice that chapter 3 is this beautiful um, uh, prayer of Habakkuk that is a response. And I want you to keep in mind when we get there that remember uh, earlier in the chapter, Habakkuk was going to uh, listen to what God had to say and then respond to his rebuke. And so it's a very beautiful thing, I think, that happens to, to Habakkuk from the beginning of the book to chapter 3. But we are on uh, verse 15. All right, so we're going to do that. I think we may have started that one last time, but... Um, uh, we'll go back to it again, and uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the in the apparatus today just to get you guys a little familiar with it and see because uh, several verses here have some uh, significant textual issues, as you will see, all right? So we're going to begin at verse 15. Notice we have a hoy at verse 15 and a hoy at verse 19, and those are the last two, and the chapter is kind of structural on those. So, so. Hoy mashke re ehu, mesapeach chamataka, ve'af shaker lama'an habital me'orehem. Hoy, woe, the one who gives to drink. Notice that that's a hifiel participle um, used here more as a substantive. Woe to the one who gives re'ehu, his companion, to drink. Right? Now, mesapeach, notice that that's a piel participle supposedly from safach, which means to join or to mix. All right. So, uh, and, and notice then that the chamateka is a wrath with the second person singular. So I'm really going to translate the whole line, woe you who give your neighbor to drink. Woe you who mix your wrath. Or some translation will have more, uh, pour out your wrath. Okay. Ve'af, even shaker, to make drunk. All right, so notice that that's a, a, a PL infinitive, shakar, to make drunk. And so he's talking once again about those people who, uh, remember especially the Chaldeans, who um, so oppress people, pour out their wrath on them over and above what God um, uh, would have them do. See, so they're on their own kind of thinking that we've seen through this chapter. All right. So again, woe to the one to you who give gives his neighbor to drink, one who pours out your wrath, even to make drunk. Just to point out the switch in in third masculine singular suffix to second. Very weird to the English, but we see this and we've seen it all the time in Habakkuk. You see it in poetry. If you go to the book of Deuteronomy happens in the prose sections and it happens in the poetry there. So it's, it is a common phenomena here, this, cha this switching. All right. Now the next line, in order, habit, to look upon me'orehem, in order to look upon their nakedness. Habit is an infinitive construct, hifil, 
Um, notice the root behind Me'oreham. It's from Ur, all right, to uh, be bare, to strip. You add a mem to it, Ma'or, naked, or nakedness, all right. So in order to look upon Me'oreham there, and notice that that's kind of a, pl a plural ending there, um, naked parts or something like that, um, if that's what the, the plural of the word is uh, implying there. All right. Any questions about verse 15? Right. Yeah. Okay. Notice, yeah, notice it says, Mashke, you, woe, you, so you translate it with this suffix, woe the one who gives his neighbor. Notice it's third, third masculine suffix. Now you have another participle, the one who pours out, now there's a switch, your wrath. See, so there's a switch in suffixes there from third to um, second. All right, and this kind of switching on a number of different levels um, is—I don't know if it's a mark of, of style of poetry and prose, but it happens a lot. All right, I probably would. I mean, here, yeah, at least kind of translate it like that. It, sometimes it's more awkward than in others. Sometimes you have a, tra a, a switch from singular to plural. Sometimes change in number. Sometimes change in gender too. Yeah, yeah. See. So notice their nakedness becomes plural. See, and so sometimes it's even hard for us to pick it up. It, you have to really kind of concentrate on these switches. And when you start looking at them, it happens a lot. We're dealing with that in Deuteronomy 32 right now. Um, those kinds of switches all the time. And until, unless you're really tuned in on them, you kind of just pass over them, especially the singular to the plural. And you see it, and you say, man, that's happening all the time. And so the, the semantic, you know, sometimes I think the switch is happening for uh, to tell you, hey, you're coming to the end of a thought, you know. So it's a way of organizing. You know, you have a switch to tell you. Um, sometimes there may be some rhetorical significance, but it's really hard to always tell. Yeah. Okay. Um, verse 16 now. Savata kalon mikavod shtegamata vehe arel tisov aleka kos yamin Yahweh vekikalon Al Kevodeka. Okay. Um, you now this means to be satisfied. Okay. So you will be satisfied with Kalon, disgrace, more than Kavod, uh, more than glory. All right. Or um, apart from glory. Notice that the Kalon is from the root Kalal, and I'll come back to that in a second. Shate, imperative. Drink, gum, also you. You also drink. And notice it's referring back to the wrath that he himself has poured out in the previous verse. Okay? Um, you, and, and notice the gam ata for emphasis. You also drink and hey arel. This is a nifal uh, imperative from, notice the root is aral. And aral means to be uncircumcised. All right, here's the nifal. You also drink and some would suggest show your foreskin. Some translate a little night more nicely. Be exposed or, you know, be bare yourself, all right? So notice it's kind of 
a play on maor and uh, you know the, this whole idea of obviously the shame of being exposed. All right. Now notice the footnote. I just want to call your attention to the footnote here in verse 16. The Qumran. Notice Qumran and the Septuagint, Aquila, the Syriac, and the Vulgate as well have a different root. They have Hey-Ra'el <coughs> instead of Hey-Arael. Notice Hey-Ra'el. Ra'el means to stagger, all right, or to totter or to teeter, teeter-totter. And um, you'll see some translations actually go with the Septuagint. So they'll say, you also drink and be staggered. All right, so just beware of that, that switch. And there, are, there is quite a bit of textual evidence for the different reading there, okay? What did, what did actually make you want to go with the New Testament? I mean, I know that's what it means, so that's right. what you want to go with it, but how does that fit at all? Uh, the only way I would say is because uh, at the end of verse 15, in order to look on their nakedness, it's kind of a turnaround. You drink, you also take a drink of this kind of wrath and... And be naked or be bare, you know, something like that. That's that, you know, that's I guess one reason a lot of people like to stick with the text. Okay. No, no, that's no problem. Then. <laughs> okay, Tisov Aleka Kos Yamin Yahweh. Tisov is from the root Savav. This is a call imperfect. Notice it's a plain A spelling. It's a call, and it means Savav. Remember, it means to turn, and the subject is cup. So the cup of the right hand of Yahweh will turn upon you. Okay. And the kikalon, notice that word, it's a hapox. I love the reduplication here, and some suggest that it's not a good reading, that the reading is doubtful, but notice that it, the, the word in verse 16 is kalon. Here you have kikalon from the root kalal. And again, it means shame or disgrace. Um, so, will um, kind of over will pour over something on Kevodeka, your glory. So notice the cup of the right hand of Yahweh will turn upon you and shame will turn upon Kevodeka, your glory. So notice Yahweh's talking about the reversal. Babylon is up high now. They're pouring out their wrath in excess. Yahweh's going to, to pour out wrath on them as well and so there's going to be this reversal in fortunes terribly for um, the Chaldeans alright good any questions through verse 16 alright um, it just gets worse here in 17 ki chamas levanon yekaseka v'shod behemot yechitan that word see middamei adam v'chamas aretz kirya v'kol Yoshveba. Okay. For the violence of Lebanon. And I think here, notice the relationship. You have a construct form with the genitive. And it's probably to be understood for the, on account of uh, the, viol the violence that was done to Lebanon. Perhaps cutting down the trees, you know, um, something like that. Yekaseka will cover you. Can anyone see the root of Yekaseka? Kasa. It's a PL from Kasa. All right, yekaseka, pl, with an energic nun. That's what that dagesh is doing in the final cough. So yekasenka, but the nun is assimilated. Okay. So for the violence of Lebanon will cover you. So again, this reversal, what you did will be done to you. Now here's the hard line, and a lot of people amend, and I'll show you why. 
and the destruction of the behemoth, of animals. Kayechitan. Look at this word. Um, this is from chatat, to be shattered. Chatat. And it's a hifil imperfect. It will shatter. Hifil imperfect, third masculine singular. The trouble is you got that on ending, which is uh, um, grammars like Gazanius, like Bauer, Leander, suggest that this is the third feminine plural suffix, all right, which is a, kind of a hard reading. The destruction of the animals will shatter them. See, that makes it hard. Now, notice the footnote in 17b. Um, okay, quite an extensive footnote. Um, the Qumran reading, notice the Qumran has um, yich, well, yichta or something. I don't know how, how you'd want to put the vowels in there. But they're suggesting that it's corrupt for, notice that the cough should be in there for the second singular. For the destruction of the animals will shatter you. That's important because notice Septuagint has that from Pata'eo, will again startle or terrify you. See also the Vulgate. So they're suggesting Yechiteka, second masculine singular suffix. And most translations actually do that to try to make sense of the line. So it's a difficult line. Some suggest that that nun is an energic nun. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a possible way to take that as well. Okay, an, uh, an on rather than an n because and it's lengthens to the a sound because it's in pause. So you have a number of different possibilities. But that word makes it difficult. Okay, does everybody understand that? Any questions about that word? But it is from chatat. That's what seems to, all the witnesses seems to point to and a hip feel of that form. Okay. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, because if you have a, uh, let's see, uh, it's like this, yes from Savav, okay, it would be Yasiv, so you have that infix yud for the hifil. So from Chatat, Yachit, and then if the accent moves, Yachitan, there's a, that's why you get the Shva under there. Okay, so that yud would be is what helps clue you in that it is a a hip feel. And there's no hollow chut, I don't think, at the root. Is there, Tom? I don't think so. Okay. Um, um, okay. Mid de adam. Because of notice that this is a construct from damin blood. Because of the bloodshed of men. And Hamas Eretz, violence to the land. Again, notice how you always have to negotiate the relationship between genitive and construct. All right. City and all the inhabitants in it. This line is a repetition, I don't know if you guys remember, from a little earlier in the chapter under another, another woe. Okay, so again, the whole line. Um, uh, because of the violence against Lebanon, or, or for the violence of Lebanon, or done to Lebanon, will cover you. And the destruction of the animals will shatter you. All right, so the same destruction you brought, okay, um, because of the bloodshed done to men and violence to the land, city, and all the inhabitants in it. Does that make some sense there? Yes? What he, I think what he's saying is that 
the people he's referring to, probably Babylon, um, destroyed the land when they when they captured it. And um, they so Lebanon, for example, there's a reference in Isaiah to the fact that they cut down the trees. And he's probably referring to um, you know the way that they decimated the herds and the animals. Again, some some do think this line doesn't fit. It comes unexpectedly. So what he's saying is that the violence you've done to others is going to be done to you. And notice we're seeing that from verse 15 on. What you've done to others is going to be done to you kind of in spades, in ster- on steroids, so to speak. All right, so it's a very sobering, um, scary, terrifying thing that Yahweh is telling Habakkuk here. Okay. So remember in chapter 1, he talked about how the Chaldeans were so strong and was going to overcome uh, Israel. And, and Habakkuk says, how can that be just? You know, uh, you are using ones who are more evil to punish the more righteous. And so now Yahweh says destruction was, is going to come on these people in an even greater measure. You know, so it's like God's wrath has this depth to it that is being poured out. All right, I think that affects how Habakkuk reacts in chapter three. Okay. Um, any other questions through seventeen? Okay. Verse eighteen. Mahoil pesalki pesalo yotzro. Okay, Ho'il is a hifil from Ya'al to benefit, to profit, and um, Pesel is the subject. So, something like, what use is an idol, Pesel? See, what profit an idol? Or what does an idol profit? What good is an idol? Okay. Ki pesalo yotzro. Okay, yotzro is a participle. Um, yatsar means to form or to shape. So its shaper um, carved it. Pesalo, that's just a call, perfect third masculine singular with a third masculine singular suffix. So I'm going to take these keys as kind of um, um, focus. Certainly, um, his... His maker carved it. It is a maseka, a uh, formed image. Maseka, see? It's a maseka, uh, you know, from nasak to pour out. So it is a formed image and a more shaker and uh, a teacher of a lie. More is a participle from yara, hifil. Notice he's using a lot of participles as substantives around here through this section. And a lot of poetry. Um, that happens. You see a lot of participles. All right. So, um, what good is an idol? Certainly, his, his notice he's he's expressing the truthfulness of what he's saying. Its maker in, uh, uh, formed it or engraved it. Pesalo. It is a maseka, a formed image, and a teacher of a lie. Okay. Kibata yotzer yitzro. Okay. And again. The former of his product, the yotzer is a participle. Yetzer is from the same root. It means the form or the, the product, you know, what he, what he formed, basically. So the one who formed his product trusts Allah in it. All right, now notice this is said kind of sarcastically. You're getting the, the feeling. Um, batach, normally the preposition used with batach would be what, do you think? Trusts. Bet in. That's the majority, but there are also a significant number 
with um, al, like we have here, and a few times with l as well. As well. All right. So that's why I'm translating. Yes, uh, certainly the one who makes his product trusts in it. Um, la aso. Now I'm going to take this kind of as result. With the result that he makes. Elilim. Notice the word there. Elilim means idols, worthless things. And notice it's kind of a play on Elohim here. He uses it. It's, see, that happens um, in other places as well. So that he makes Elilim, see, these idols, these worthless things, Ilmim. Um, this is from um, the root Aleph Lamed Mem, which means to be mute. So, um, dumb idols or mute idols. All right. He trusts in them so that he makes Elilim Ilmim. Again, notice the play on words, and um, probably said in a scornful way. You know, you trust in these in this teacher of lies, um, so, so that you make these dumb idols. Yes, Elam. I think it's Elam. Elam uh, is the singular, and so it's just an adjective, right? Um, good. Any questions through eighteen? All right, let's go to 19. Here's another hoy. It gets a little easier here. Hoy omer la eitz hakitza uri leeven dumam hu yora hine hu tafus zahava kesef vekol ruachain bekirbo. Hoy, woe to the one who says to a tree, hakitza, wake up. This is from the root kutz, hifil imperative. All right, woe to the one who says to the tree, wake up. Notice a nice chiasm. Uri, again a call imperative um, from Ur, and here this means to uh, again to wake up. Okay, so woe to the one who says to a tree, wake up, um, rise or stir up to stone of Dumam, silence, it's to silent stone. It's a really nice line, see. And notice the chiasm tells you that this is kind of one unit of thought. So hoy omer leetz hakitza. Uri and Dumam. He's really laying it on thick here. Okay. Um, now, who Yora? See the, the root Yora? <coughs> Again, it's from the, it's a Hifil from Yara, and it is a Hifil participle from Yara to teach. Remember, we had Mora. I'm sorry, it's a Hifil imperfect. And notice we had up in verse 18 the Mora, U Mora Shaker. The teacher of a lie. Here is the imperfect. Okay, so woe to the one who says to a tree, "Wake up, rise to dumb stone or silent stone." He is your teacher, or he's a teacher, or he's going to teach you. Maybe that's even better. See, so who Yorah? Get the force of that. He will teach, and I think it's almost like an exclamation here because notice he follows it up. Look, Hine, he is Tafus. This is a call passive participle. Tafas um, means tafas means to grasp, to be grasped. So here it's something like he is surrounded by or encased with gold and silver. See, so he's your teacher. Look, he's encased with silver with gold and silver. But kol ruach, but any any breath there is not in his midst. See, but there's no ruach in the midst of him. All right, so notice it's the same kind of indictment that we see in Isaiah, like 40, for example, in that first 
you know, part of the second part of the book when Yahweh's comparing himself to idols. Here you have the same kind of rhetoric. Okay? Any questions? All right, we can finish with 20. It's great. Va Yahweh behekal kodsho has mipanav kol haaretz. All right, now notice the vav here. I would translate it as a strong contrast. But Yahweh is in the temple of his holiness. But Yahweh is in his holy temple. Now you have this interject, interjection, this exclamatory particle, has, be silent, hush before him, kol all earth. See? So he calls out. So, so this is a, I mean, it's very dramatic here as you're going through. Um, and notice what Yahweh is actually doing to Habakkuk here, who, you know, had the audacity to speak so boldly about God's justice and injustice. And so notice what Yahweh, I think, is doing to Habakkuk. You see him humbling Habakkuk um, with this kind of talk. Uh, about the judgment that he's going to bring on the people, you know, in, as he as these woe oracles kind of roll on and on and on. And if we study them more, you could kind of, I think, see an uptake in the rhetoric of, uh, you know, the, the wrath kind of keeps coming. And so you have this great line that, you know, what else can you do except has before him all the earth, see? And now what becomes of Habakkuk's response. Remember what Habakkuk said in chapter 2? I will stand on my watch and I will see what I will respond to him when he rebukes me. So you kind of get the sense that he's got his own comeback, his own rebuke. Well, it's anything but that in chapter 3, which makes chapter 3 kind of a beautiful climax. And I think that you know you can very well, in the experience of the book, read it as a unity and not as just this add-on. To the book, you know, and and you know the title. This is a prayer. Even kind of clues you in as to Habakkuk's mood, the change that he's undergone. All right, all right, good. We will continue uh, next week with chapter three. Have a good week. Thanks, you guys, for coming.